0: everyone welcome to catching up on crime <laughs> jenna's laughing at me already uh, someday um, we have to
1: do bloopers i wish you could all hear my mom's bloopers they
0: <laughs> thanks a
1: lot <laughs> but this is melinda coming to you from iowa and i'm jenna and i am coming at you from phoenix arizona
0: and and i just got to say that i'm a little jealous because we're all quarantined in our houses but at least you got some good weather like you know I'm yeah I'm tired of seeing all these celebrity pictures about like oh we're in this with you and then they're by their pools or they're you know something and it's like okay people I'm from Iowa and it has been gloomy and rainy and so there's no outside we're stuck inside our houses literally
1: Yes, I've been hiking a lot. We didn't touch really on um, what's been going on in the world in our last podcast, and I I don't want to go too much into it, but yeah, so obviously we're all in lockdown. It has been nice for me. I've been socially distancing myself, but outside, Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's like 75 degrees. Less on that and like how much this sucks, I really wanted to give a shout out to my sister because... Uh, she's a nurse and so she's I just recently left Chicago and moved here to Arizona and I miss her like crazy because I just know she's going through a lot and I know her and all nurses alike EMT people people in ambulances and everything like I it's, it's really hard but I just really want to send appreciation and thanks I said this to my sister because she's stressed right now um, and I feel like all medical professionals are stressed. I feel like everyone's stressed. But I said this to her, and I I wish I could say it to every medical professional right now and everyone who's, who's having to still put themselves in danger. Like I said, you know, you have every right to be anxious. You have every right to be angry. You're on the front line of this. You're risking your own safety and your family's safety for the protection of people who took you for granted for the last six years to people who are complaining because they can't sit at their favorite coffee shop or go visit with their friends anymore, even to people who blatantly put themselves in danger and leave you to fix them up. You're amazing. You're doing such amazing work. You're literally holding the world together right now. And I'm so proud of you. I don't want people to think I'm saying like, stop complaining, but like, it hurts me that, that people have to put themselves in danger. I wish I could help. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I just hope they know that, By staying home, they're helping. I just wanted to give her a shout out and all medical professionals a shout out because they really are holding our world together right now. Right. They're amazing.
0: And and there are some other people too. Um, Truck drivers, you know, people that are (laughs) just keeping our everything, grocery stores stocked. We need that. And those are the people that are keeping us alive, literally, you know, I just read some things on Facebook and whatnot, and it's just so negative. And I'm like, I'm I'm done with that. If we can't come together at a time like this, then I don't know when we should. Let's just stop the negativity, even if we don't know why we're doing it, if we're confused, because we're all confused. None of us know what's really going on here. We don't know how long it's going to be like this. And so, but let's just come together and say, hey, we we can do this. We can do this for those people that are out there doing their jobs like Alicia and keeping us safe or doing the best they can. And so we can stay put, do what we're supposed to do. Listen to podcasts about murder.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, next time you find yourself bored, you can listen to some true crime podcasts or you can go on Netflix and watch Tiger King because that is a trip. Let me tell you that is one of the wildest things i've seen. i started posting about it on my instagram story and i don't think a lot of people knew what i was talking about because i had a lot of people say like what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this? why are you flipping out, jenna? because i was flipping out, let me tell you. and then like a couple days later i think i posted about it again and like everyone had seen it and everyone was all completely blown by that story and i would have loved to talk about that on here but just do yourself a favor and go watch Tiger King on Netflix and um It's the most bizarre that, thing. Isn't yeah. I mean is it just not a bizarre, so bizarre
0: story of you're just like this you know, not only did this happen, but it's not that long
1: ago. I mean it's just, yeah. And one thing I'll say about that, I enough. I remember when Joe was arrested and I remember thinking like, oh my God, like, cause I remember that they tied in those, the tigers, the deaths of the, ti- the four tigers. So I remember, cause you know, I'm, I'm a big animal advocate uh, that I remember being, thinking, well, he's a tiger murderer. He's, he abuses his animals on his zoo. So he belongs in jail. I had no idea that he was being arrested for death threats. And I had no idea all this craziness behind it. I don't think anybody would had any idea of all the crazies. Wow. What a story Netflix found. Right. How, where do they find them? Like do they, they do just they happen do to come so well. upon them or what? And the it is footage funny. they get. It's amazing.
0: And it's interesting that when all is said and done, I think it's, it's kind of funny that, okay, now he's sitting in jail And I don't think it was actually him because there's other people with tigers um, on the show as well, but you know, the the different celebrities and things that have used these tigers and now this is coming out on this Netflix series. That's a bizarre tale of threats and probably murder or missing people or (laughs) it's just a crazy story.
1: So yeah, go watch Tiger King. And, uh, but before you do that, Tune in to this podcast and keep listening because I'm about to tell you another crazy story. Is it as crazy as the tiger King? Um, It might be crazier.
0: No, there's no meth involved. All right. Well, I am ready, Jenna. Okay. That's
1: cool. You've
0: been talking about it for a while, so I'm excited. I
1: have. I have been working on this story for a very long time. So this week's Catching Up on Crime's new podcast episode is going to be a long one. One filled with crazy facts and opinions, but I promise you're going to want to hear this one out because I think this story is one of the wildest, uh, most disturbing things I've heard in a long while. And it's actually going on right now. So while some of you may be familiar with this story and may have heard um, about it, I guarantee you have not heard all the facts laid out to you like I'm going to do today. I took information from every reputable source, every article, and I put them all together, which um, I could not find anywhere. So I'm really excited to be able to give you all the facts and lay them down hard and then um, we can kind of talk about this as it unfolds. We're going to start this true crime story talking about a woman named Tammy Douglas. Tammy was born in 1970 in Pasadena, California, and when she was 13 she moved with her family to Springville, Utah. Tammy shared a love of books and reading with her family, and she created her own little library when she was younger, lending books to her siblings with actual library cards and fines when they weren't returned on time, which I just thought was kind of cute. Uh, And then during the summer following her freshman year at Brigham Young University, she met Chad Daybell. The couple quickly fell in love and were married on March 9, 1990, in the Manti Temple. The couple belonged to the Church of the Latter-day Saints, or more commonly referred to as the Mormon faith. While Chad continued his schooling, he also worked at Springville, Utah Cemetery as a grave digger. And Tammy supported the family by working as the secretary for Springville's Parks Department. Um, and I don't know, some of you may be familiar with this, but me and I, I feel like most of us aren't. But um, Springville, Utah is a mostly Mormon community. And Brigham Young University, where the two went to school, is owned by the Church of the Latter-day Saints. So they're in a very Mormon community. Chad graduated with a journalism degree from BYU, and he left his cemetery job to take a job at Access Computer Products in Pravo, Utah, and he started to focus more on his writing. Tammy then became a full-time homemaker, and they had their first child, Garth Daybell, in 1992, or 93, I couldn't find the exact date, but I do know that this year he's 27. Uh, they had four more children after that, Emma, Seth, Leah, and Mark. And Tammy loved her children deeply and encouraged them in countless ways. She often took the children to the public library and helped them develop a passion for reading. And the family returned to Springville, where Tammy later became the computer teacher, and Chad was rehired to maintain the church property, including graveyards. 2004, the Cup founded Spring Creek Book Company, and Tammy wore many hats as their company grew, juggling her role as chief financial officer with designing book covers as well. The publishing company's website states, the company only publishes material that supports the values of the LDS, or Latter-day Saints Church. Um, You'll hear me refer to the Latter-day Saints Church as LDS often. So let's focus a little bit on Chad Daybell. In 1998, Chad published his first book, An Errand for Emma, which was the first in the Emma trilogy, followed by Doug's Dilemma, and concluded with Escape to Zion. In the first two books, Emma and her brother travel into the past on a mission for the Lord. In the final book, Emma travels into the future, just days before the second coming of Jesus, or what some may refer to as the rapture. From then on, Chad becomes well-known as an end-of-times Latter-day Saints novelist. His characters from the Emma trilogy continue on to the Standing in Holy Places series, as well as the Times of Turmoil series all near future books about the end of the world. Chad became known as a prepper or someone who is getting ready for the end of times. So someone, it's, I think it's only just in the Mormon community as uh, just people who belong to the LDS church and believe that the second coming of Jesus is coming soon. Um, and so they prepare for it actively. Chad said that his books were based on the lives of his children. Just something to note, Emma was his firstborn daughter, the books that that first series is all about, and when he wrote those books that are supposedly about her, um, she was somewhere around four years old. In 2015, the family moved to Salem, Idaho, and Tammy became a loved librarian. She served in numerous capacities in the Church of Latter-day Saints along with Chad. In 2017, Chad published his autobiography, and bear with me, the reason I'm telling you all about his books does become important later. According to his autobiography, Living on the Edge of Heaven, Chad claims to have had two near-death experiences. When he was 17, he supposedly had an accident while cliff diving and crossed into another dimension and realized there was another world other than this.
0: I think he was actually just watching an episode of Lost and fell asleep.
1: (laughs) Do they go cliff diving in there?
0: No, but it's like another dimension. It's another earth or whatever. So
1: Yeah. And who knows? They were probably all sleeping the whole time, too. (laughs) A second near-death experience in his early 20s was much more in-depth. He was apparently hit by a giant wave off the California coast, and while his body was being tossed by the wave, his spirit was visiting with his grandfather, who showed him future events involving his still-unborn children. This accident caused his veil that separates mortal life from the spirit world to stay partially open, so he often feels as if he has a foot in both worlds. Chad Daybell brands his novels as fiction, but he believes them all to be true. He stated in an interview, My torn veil allows information to be downloaded into my brain from the other side. The scenes I am shown are real events that will happen. Late 2018 and early 2019, Chad became a member of an organization called Preparing a People, and he often spoke at their events. So Preparing a People is a LDS-affiliated company that is just, it's for preppers. So there's a lot of books and hand guides, and I think there's even like merchandise you can buy, Um, but we'll get more into that later. And then a strange accident happened to Tammy Daybell on October 9 of 2019. She posted on a neighborhood Facebook page. Now, Mom, I'm going to send you that post, and I want you to read it as if you're Tammy.
0: Okay, so, yeah, this is what Tammy Daybell has on her Facebook page. It Mm -hmm. says, Okay, neighbors, something really weird just happened, and I want you to know so you can watch out. I'd gotten home and parked in our front driveway. As I was getting stuff out of the backseat, a guy wearing a ski mask was suddenly standing by my back car with a paintball gun. He shot at me several times, although I don't think it was loaded. I yelled for Chad, and he ran off around to the back of my house. I have no idea what his motive was, and he never spoke, even after I asked him several times what he thought he was doing. I was about to smack him with my freezer meals from Enrichment tonight when I decided to yell for Chad instead.
1: So weird, right?
0: Yeah. Especially the part about her wanting to just smack him with the freezer mails.
1: Yeah. To me, it seems very, um, like, she's not alarmed. She's, uh, she didn't seem scared. She was just, like, very you know, nonchalant
0: what? about it.
1: hmm Yeah. So, Tammy did call the sheriff's department to report the incident, and the department investigated but concluded that the semi-armed man must have been a prankster, and they never actually found the masked man. Ten days later, on October 19 of 2019, Tammy Daybell was found deceased in her bed that she shared with her husband, Chad. Oh,
0: wow. I wasn't expecting that, (laughs) to hear that.
1: Yeah. A Fremont County officer first responded to a call about Tammy's death, went to the Daybell home in Salem, Idaho, to examine the body, and then called the Fremont County Coroner, Brenda Dye. Brenda Dye soon arrived at the home and declared that Tammy had died from natural causes and it was her decision to not order an autopsy. Since Idaho law does not require an autopsy, that decision would have been left up to the family. The family declined getting an autopsy. Fremont County's Head Sheriff Len Humphrey said, there wasn't any information or indication that anything was out of line. So I haven't shared really my opinion on any of these facts, Um, not that there have really been any to share on, but here's where I'm going to state my opinion. I find that so weird. So most states do actually require an autopsy if a death is sudden and unexpected. Tammy was fine the day before. I did find an article that kind of was like the week before she was in her parents' living room dancing. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden she's dead. And her family decides it's, we don't need an autopsy. I just find that so suspect. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't seem right to me. Mom, what do you think?
0: Well, I would say so too, because did they ever say what her natural causes were? Like she had a heart attack or, you know, what that actually was, or did it just say natural causes? I think I'd want to know what that was. So Jenna, do you know if that medical examiner, was she part of the church?
1: so let me actually tell you a little bit about brenda die so die then wrote a death certificate the details of which have never been released something to note that i found after a little bit of investigating is that brenda die was elected to her position of coroner in november of 2018 so that was little less than a little less than a year before this happened and she has a high school education and works as a technician at fremont county's ems So I could not find that she went to college or has anything further than a high school education.
0: Well, Um, that's very weird to have just a high school education and be a medical examiner. But you said she was an elected official, but still,
1: Mm -hmm. every medical examiner
0: I know had to go to a lot of school, not even just a little bit. But most of them have like doctor's degrees.
1: Right, well, and had Di ordered an autopsy, that autopsy would have been conducted by a trained medical examiner rather than Di. Di declined to comment on Tammy Daybell's death or her investigation of it. So things are starting to get a little fishy, in my opinion. Um, this seems a little suspect. Tammy's viewing was held two days later in Utah, where the couple grew up, and by Tuesday afternoon, she was buried in Springville Evergreen Cemetery. One man from Tammy and Chad's church congregation said, it was really weird because the casket wasn't even there. It all came together so quickly and felt rushed. There weren't a lot of people at the burial service. On Wednesday, so the day following the burial service, a memorial service was held and many in attendance were alarmed at how fast funeral arrangements had been made and executed, especially considering Tammy's death was unexpected. And I would have to agree with that. I think if a, one of my loved one's deaths were, were sudden and unexpected, you would think it would take a while for everyone to kind of process and then go into funeral arrangements. But it was almost as if like, you know, someone who might be terminally ill or is just in their later stages of life, you might kind of have that in the back of your head. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you, would, you might, might be kind of ready for that.
0: You might prepare for it. And even the person mm-hmm. as alive might give their input.
1: Nine days after Tammy's death, Chad published an essay titled Moving Into the Second Half of My Life in the LDS Another Voice of Warning Global Initiative Newsletter, which is a forum that you can buy a membership to and is dedicated to LDS end of world peppers. The first section of his post was sent to eastidahonews.com. And this is what it says. So this is an essay by Chad that was it's a newsletter, so it's emailed out to everyone who is a, member, is a member of this forum. My dear wife, Tammy, passed away in her sleep early Saturday, October 19. When I awoke at around 6 a.m., it was clear she had been gone for several hours, he wrote. It came as a shock. I couldn't believe I hadn't been awakened somehow. But all indications are that her spirit simply slipped away during the night. Her face looked serene, with her eyes closed and a light smile. It was devastating to discover her that way, but I'm so grateful that her death was peaceful. He then wrote that Tammy conveyed to him, quote, several messages, and I'm in the process of implementing what she has told me to do. She has indicated that my life has two parts that were planned even before I came to earth. So Chad is saying that he is receiving these messages from Tammy after her death. And there is a second part of this post that has not become public yet because, like I said, you need to purchase a membership to be part of this LDS-AVOW group, which if you're curious, because of course I was, it's $5 a month or they have a special going on for $10 off a 12-month membership, making it only $35 annually. So if anyone would like the link to the LDS-AVOW membership discount site, let me know and I'll pass that along as long as you'll please share your login. <laughs> Just love to see these things. Us true crime fanatics would not be surprised to find out that Chad Daybelt mom, what do you think he did? What do you think happened after her death or like maybe right before her death? I'll give you two guesses. What do you think? What, what do suspect spouses do after their spouse passes away?
0: Kevin, give me a hint. They get remarried. They start dating someone
1: else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, us true crime fanatics would not be surprised. I'm not going where
0: you want me to go, am
1: I? (laughs) No, mom, you'd be surprised where you're going. You're going to have to keep that because I'm really proud of you right now. Us true crime fanatics would not be surprised to find out that Chad Daybell reportedly received $430,000 in life insurance after Tammy died. Chad Daybell reportedly made significant increases to at least one policy just months before she passed. We all know that is suspect as heck. So A woman named Julie Rowe also says that, and I found out that that, uh, Julie Rowe was one of Chad's acquaintances, and I, I think she had a couple books that he published, and they did have like a falling out. So I would take this with a grain of salt, but at the same time, the more you learn about Chad, the least you're gonna like him. So we're just gonna take Julie Rowe's opinion and we're gonna go with it. We're gonna consider it true. (laughs) So Julie Rowe said that she doesn't recognize the man Chad has become. Rowe was also a spiritual person and performed an energy session on him and his children. She said that Chad often spoke to her about his visions of Tammy dying and that she he really felt like she was going to pass away between October and December. Rose said, and she also added that the two were having, like, marital problems. But wait, it gets worse. Five days after Chad's essay was emailed to AVOW subscribers, he married a woman named Lori Vallow on a beach in Hawaii. So, mom, you were right. How many days? Um, five days after that essay, which was not nice, So, like, two weeks.
0: Yeah, because it now, was... If you're days.
1: like me or my mother or any sane person in the world, you're thinking, wait, what? Exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So Chad runs off to Hawaii and gets married just weeks after his wife dies. What is with that? A close friend to the Daybells says that she had a phone conversation with, with one of their sons. Um, if you'll remember, they had five children together. And she says, we were talking about his family and how they're doing, and he told me that his dad remarried. I thought it was a joke because he kind of laughed about it afterward. I laughed and he said, no, I'm serious. My dad went to Hawaii on a business trip and met a widow and they just got married. Now, this is, sorry, this is not me now. Uh, this is getting really fishy and suspect to me because Tori Vallow, the woman that Chad remarried, lived in Rexburg, Idaho. Mom, do you want to guess how far Rexburg, Idaho is from where Tammy and Chad's home was in Salem, Idaho?
0: Twenty minutes.
1: Eight minutes away. Oh, eight minutes away. A mere eight minutes away. Oh my gosh. But they also, met at a work thing. Okay. According to to what their son, um, you know, who spoke to this woman just while it was all happening, kind of, he was under the impression that. His dad went on a business trip and met a widow and they just kind of got married on a whim. So he's on a business trip in Hawaii and, married, and met a widow and they got married. That's what his son thinks. Lori Avello, the, the woman he remarried, was also a Mormon, part of the Latter-day Saints Church, just like Chad. She also believed that the second coming of Jesus was in the very near future, just like Chad. Seems a little coincidental that the two just met in Hawaii and got married on a whim, right? Well, let's go ahead and dive into the life of Lori Velow because coincidence doesn't come close to explaining the timeline of mysterious events in her life. Lori Noreen Cox was born in 1973 and grew up in Rialto, California. Growing up, Lori had two brothers and two sisters, and she attended Eisenhower High School in Rialto, California from 1987 to 1991. Bernadette Flores Lopez was Lori's childhood best friend. She said that they clicked immediately and when they met during tryouts for the high school cheer squad. Bernadette says, I just thought she was a Barbie doll. She was just really, really friendly, not overly friendly, but she was just like really smart. Lori spent a lot of time with Bernadette and her cheer friends. And according to Bernadette, the Cox family were very, very devout Mormons. And Lori would attend religious educational classes in the mornings before school. Lori had talked about attending Brigham Young University, that privately owned LDS-affiliated college that um, we talked about earlier, but she ended up staying in California and marrying a boy from her high school in 1992. She was just 19 years old. The marriage was short-lived, and according to Bernadette, the reason it did not work out was because he was not a Mormon. Lori married her second husband, William Lagoya, in 1995, and they had their, she had her first son, Colby, The couple divorced a year later. Lori married her third husband, Joseph Ryan. Kobe took his stepfather's last name, and Lori gave birth to her first daughter, Tylee Ryan, in 2002. They lived in Texas. Lori and Joseph Ryan divorced in 2004 when Tylee was just 18 months old. So she's been married three times, and
0: each time about a year long.
1: Uh, No, this one was uh, like three or four years. They got married in like 2000 or 2001. Then she had her first daughter in 2002. Um, Okay.
0: And then she was 18 months old.
1: Yes. Um, A bitter custody battle ensued. Joseph stated that Lori had a history of disappearing when the child's custody was at issue. Lori moved to Arizona after the divorce and Joseph moved there as well to be close to his daughter. So it kind of sounded like Lori just up and moved with her daughter with uh, Tylee Ryan and Kobe Ryan from her, her second marriage. Um, and it kind of sounds like Joseph kind of had to, like, follow, was kind of forced to follow them so that he could be close to his daughter. Lori married her fourth husband, Charles Below, in Las Vegas in 2006, so two years after they got a divorce. Although they both had children from previous marriages, they really wanted to raise a child together. And this is all according to Charles's brother-in-law, Larry Woodcock. This gets very confusing. So if you're not paying attention, now would be a good time to stop what you're doing and just like turn your brain into overdrive. <laughs> so Charles has a sister, Kay. Kay Woodcock is married to Larry. Her son has a baby, so she has a grandson. Um, but for some reason, they actually they actually raised that baby for the first 10 months of his life. Lori and Charles below adopt said baby they called him jj larry says they each had two children from previous so this is a quote by uh, larry they each had two children by previous marriages and they wanted a baby to raise kay and i after months of deliberation said it was probably best because charles was a high earner and a hard worker and devout in his religion him and laurie both quote And I don't know if it really had anything to do with it because I couldn't necessarily find solid concrete facts. I don't, so I don't know if Kay and Larry's decision to, to quote unquote, give up JJ to the couple was because of this, but the boy was autistic and maybe they really didn't have the means to take care of an autistic boy. You know, I don't know what, what, why they decided really to give him up, but they just said, you know, they're, they're good people. So we're going to give them our son. Lori and Charles lived in Hawaii for a couple years before returning to Arizona in June of 2018. The reason that, I mean, I believe the reason that they came back to Arizona in June of 2018 was because in April of 2018, Joseph Ryan dies from an apparent heart attack. I know that there's a lot of uh, names being thrown out here, but if you'll remember, Joseph Ryan was Lori's third husband. So, he dies from a heart attack in April of 2018 when he was just 59 years old. He died in his Arizona home, but his body was not found for at least a week, only after his neighbor's dog detected a foul smell. Joseph Ryan's sister, Annie Cushing, traveled from to Arizona to see Lori and her now 16-year-old niece, Tylee. Annie said that she was surprised by Lori's demeanor when she arrived. When I got there, it was as if nothing had happened. People were hardly talking about Joe. And when Lori did, she would actually say, the world is a better place without Joe Ryan. Annie also said that Lori discouraged Tylee from mourning for her father, and Annie observed the mother and daughter had a very strained relationship. She said there was a lot of tension between the two. But Annie's main concern was Lori's mental well-being. She said Lori, who was always religious, had become obsessed with end-of-times theories. Annie overheard Lori say, sometimes I think it would just be better to put my kids in a car and go off the side of a cliff. Annie texted her own daughter during the visit that she believes Lori may be an unhinged sociopath.
0: So at the time of his death, Lori was actually living in Hawaii, though?
1: Yeah, um, I believe so. Yes.
0: So there's no thought that there was foul play here? Not that I could find. This is kind of odd and, and it's like you're saying, it's hard to, to kind of say this and put this all in order and everything, but she gets a divorce from him. They have a custody battle. Then she moves to Arizona that he followed her to Arizona and, and then it sounds like she got remarried and moved again. Yeah. So yeah. him like really following her to Arizona, you know, was not even necessary because then she just packs up and moves again.
1: Well, yeah, so they moved to Arizona, and then she remarries two years later um, in Vegas. They still lived in Arizona for a while, though. Lori and Charles, her fourth husband. So Lori and Charles move back to Arizona in June of 2018, and within a year, Charles files for divorce. In February, so they had actually been married the longest, from 2006... To 2018 in there his February number four right um, and so now we're getting very close to uh, today's date in his February 2019 divorce filing Charles Fallot described Lori as an uninterested in him or JJ because she had quote more important missions to carry out unquote Lori claimed she was quote reincarnated as a god assigned to lead the Mormon people at Christ's second coming the court documents said Charles genuinely feared Lori and she allegedly told him that if he got in her way uh she would kill him and already had a quote angel there to help her dispose of his body end quote shortly after her alleged threats Charles took out an order of protection and restraining order against Lori so yet again she's having quite she's having this divorce uh, play out on July messy divorce play out she's having a messy yes which is the second one On July 11, 2019, Charles Below drives to Lori's house to pick up his son, JJ. There, Lori's brother, Alex Cox, shot and killed Charles. According to police body cam footage, Alex claimed that Lori and Charles were arguing when Charles came at them with a baseball bat. It was determined by police that Alex had shot Charles in self-defense and he was not charged with the incident, although they opened up a formal investigation. The very next day, Lori texted Charles' sons um, to tell them that their dad had died. Mom, I'm going to send you those texts, and can you just read those to us as Lori?
0: Okay, sons, I have some very sad news. Your dad passed away yesterday. I'm working on making arrangements, and I'll keep you informed with what's going on. I'm still not sure how to handle things. Just want you to know that I love you, and so did your dad.
1: I'm going to read then the, the messages that they sent back to her. So, um, and they chose to remain anonymous. So we don't know. I think he had two sons so we don't know which one it is. And I don't think it really matters, but, um, so she she texts him that he texts her back. You can't just tell us our dad died and disappear. You're not too busy to just let us know what happened, how he died and disappeared. And then, and she's uh, not responding, and he says, okay, Lori, it's been three days. You let us know our father passed away over a text message. Three days, and we haven't heard from anyone. We need more information. So when they texted and asked Lori what happened, she waited like hours and days to respond and was not forthcoming about the circumstances around his death, which she was there for. On an episode of Dateline, detectives said details in Cox's and Lori's stories did not add up, and they exhibited strange behavior not typical of family members whose relative had just died. Something just to note that I had put in here kind of as like my own questions. Obviously, I did a lot of research about everyone in this story, and there's actually even more people in this story that I couldn't add because it was just too much. But something I couldn't really like figure out and I think is important is... So Alex Cox was Lori's brother and I do believe that he like lived, he lived, I think he lived in Arizona, but I couldn't find that for sure. So part of me is like, why is he at her house? You know, it's just strange that the day that, that uh, Charles comes to pick up JJ just to take him to school, that uh, Alex was there. There is a like I said, there's so much to this story, and one of the things that they had been fighting about was like Lori would randomly call JJ's school and say, "Oh, I'm gonna, um, I'm unenrolling him. I'm taking him out of school. He he does, he's not gonna be in school." And then uh, Charles would call the school and be like, "What's going on? Like, is JJ at school?" They're like, "No." So I think I had read that he was he was really scared that Lori was gonna up and take his son from him. Um, so that was some of the things that they were arguing about. Less than 24 hours after her husband was shot, Lori attempts to file for Charles' $1 million life insurance policy only to find out, to her surprise, she had been removed as the sole beneficiary. They were in the midst of getting a divorce, so I'm not that surprised that he would take her off of his life insurance policy, but apparently it was news to her. Charles' family hired a private investigator named Rich Robertson. While investigating the death of Charles below, he discovered some key information about Lori. Around the time that Charles had filed for divorce, Lori withdrew $25,000 and much more from the family bank account and disappeared for nearly two months. She said that she was receiving, quote, spiritual revelations. It was during this time in early 2019 that Lori was believed to have begun a romantic relationship with a married author of doomsday-themed novels who lived in Idaho. That man was, you guessed it, Chad Daybell. Chad and Lori first appeared together in December of 2018 on Preparing a People's Podcast. Um, I think you will have remembered, I kind of spoke about how he was a part of this Preparing a People's organization and he spoke at a bunch of events. So in December, the two actually spoke together. And I do believe that Lori was a part of this Preparing a People organization, like at the same time, that might have been how they met actually, but this was the first time that they had actually been together. Uh, They discussed doomsday theories and um, other theories about the end of the world. An email surfaced from Chad to Lori detailing 10 missions that they would have to complete together before the end of the world. Um, And if you want to look into that, the missions are detailed online. They're just kind of all like, I don't know, like things that don't really make sense to me, like who's going to be appointed in the church before Jesus comes and stuff like that. The private investigator also discovered that Charles actually found out about her relationship with Chad Daybell and even emailed a friend stating that he was going to email Chad daybell's wife tammy and tell her what was going on robertson described daybell and his followers as a cult if he says if you read some of the things that they have written um, about their activities this is the extreme end of any religious belief and the charismatic figure that seems to be tying them all together is chad daybell days after charles's death Lori's neighbors reported seeing a pool party with loud music in her backyard on August 30th, Lori told Kobe, her oldest son, that she was going to, she was moving to start a new job, but she wouldn't tell him where, and then Lori stopped answering all of his FaceTime calls. Another thing to note, I'm so sad that I didn't live here in Arizona at the time of all this going on, because I could have been on the front lines, but I'm here now. <laughs> you could have been at the courthouse, or... I, guess. I could have been, like, peeping Stalking. on our pool party. You know, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm sitting outside their house. (laughs) Uh, Two months after Charles died, Lori returned JJ's beloved service dog Bailey and moved to Idaho with her two children, JJ and Tylee, her brother Alex and her niece Melanie. She did not tell any of JJ's family that they were moving. At this point, obviously Tylee's family, Tylee's father passed away. Now JJ's father's adopted fathers passed away. Colby, it seems like Colby Ryan, her first son, he's older at this point, so he's kind of doing his own thing. But her and her brother Alex are pretty close at this point, and they seem to be moving around together. On September 3rd, Lori enrolled JJ in Kennedy Elementary School in Rexburg, Idaho. Sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. So now we're getting super close to uh, today's date. And Things are going to start to seem a little bit choppy because the details around, like, what she was doing and, like, what's going on, it's more so, like, information just, like, it's being spit out. So I'm sorry if it sounds like that, but I just tried to take all the information I knew about what's going on and kind of give it to you, you know? So September 3rd, Lori enrolled JJ in Kennedy Elementary School in Rexburg, Idaho, to supposedly homeschooling Tylee. So Tylee was, from the point that they left Arizona, Tylee wasn't going to school. Um, She was supposedly being homeschooled. On September 23rd, that was the last time JJ went to school. The very next day, Lori withdrew him from the school, claiming that he would be homeschooled from then on. She also called his daily babysitter that she had hired just that month uh, and told her that her services would no longer be needed. The next day was Tylee's birthday. Kobe Ryan texted Tylee and uh, just to say happy birthday and kind of talk to her. They used to talk a lot. And he told authorities that it didn't sound like Tylee, and she refused to FaceTime or call him. Some article was kind of saying, you know, he, I've texted and called my sister so many times over the years. She wasn't using any emojis. It just didn't seem like her. So now we are in October of 2019. On October 2nd, just days before, you'll remember that Tammy suddenly and unexpectedly died. Lori orders a wedding ring on her deceased husband Charles's Amazon account. After Tammy passes, um, which we talked about already on October 19, unbeknownst to his children, Chad Daybell actually moves in with Lori and they get married a few weeks later in Hawaii. The wedding ring can be actually seen on their wedding photos, uh, the one that she bought on Amazon earlier that month. The children, however, are not in any of the photos. In late November, one of JJ's old classmates shows up at Lori's door uh, asking to play. Lori said that JJ was spending time with his grandmother. JJ's grandmother Kay, who, if you'll remember, was actually his co-mother and then would have been his aunt, but I guess after he was adopted, he referred to her as his grandmother and so do all the news articles. So JJ's grandmother Kay tried FaceTiming him for months but never would get an answer. In fact, Kay didn't even know Lori had moved the children until she logged into Charles' old email account and discovered that Lori had taken the children to Idaho. It was at that time that she called the police and asked them to do a welfare check on her grandson, JJ. On November 26th, authorities perform a welfare check on Chad and Lori Daybell's home. Lori was not immediately there, but Alex and Chad were. Chad claims he doesn't know Lori very well and he has no idea what her phone number is. Um, And Alex claims that J.J. was with his grandparents, which the authorities know is false because his grandmother is the one who uh, called asking them to go check on him. Eventually, Lori tells police that J.J. is with a family friend in Arizona. When police call said friend, she does not answer. They then instruct Lori to call her friend, which she nervously responds with, well, they're at a movie, they're at Frozen 2, so they probably won't answer. Um, But she does call them, and then it doesn't get an answer. So then the Idaho police actually contact the Arizona police to find this friend, right? And they find her. And when they question the friend, she informs them that she has not seen the child, either child, in several months. And she doesn't tell the police this right away. But a few days later, that friend did actually tell the police that chad and Lori had called her separately asking her to tell the police that she had jj even though she did not the very next day on november 27th police returned to chad and Lori's house only to discover that they had fled the police obtained a search warrant for the home they found jj's prescription medication which had not been filled since january of 2019 they also found keys to a storage locker which they then tracked down Lori had begun renting the storage locker in October, and police found the children's clothing, bikes, scooters, and photo albums of Lori and the children. Like I kind of said, she kept was keeping everything very low-key, so the police are kind of trying, trying to play this catch-up game. They're finding out all of these things that I've kind of already told you. Police found out that Lori told a friend that Tylee was taking classes at BYU-Idaho, but the school had no record of her enrol- enrollment there. Daybell told his late wife's sister that Lori had no children, and Lori told uh, Daybell's parents in November that she was an empty nester. Around this time, Chad declared himself a prophet and was excommunicated from the Church of Latter-day Saints. And I add that in just to show that, like, things are getting really crazy. Like, so at this point, actually, the media is coming in, and they're like, what's going on?
0: And this church that took both of them in
1: is now... Like, we don't want anything to do with you. Well, because, so I did, I did a little research on the Church of Latter-day Saints, and there's an article by someone from, like, the Mormon, that he's, he's a Mormon, and he says, you know, my, that the congregation is susceptible to stuff like this, because the church, like, allows people to, they're fine with Chad saying that he can see the future, and he knows that Jesus is coming in July of 2020, you know? And so then when he says he's a prophet, and he's actually, like, they're fine with him, his veil being torn in him downloading information from the other side. But then when he declares himself a prophet, they're like, Nope, that's not true. So you're not a part of our church anymore.
0: Well, I'm, I don't know much about the Mormon faith, but I'm guessing that's a line you don't cross is declaring yourself a prophet because that's just too,
1: but you can step over, you can get real close to that line.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I think that they have a line that is a lot further out than most religions but saying that you're a prophet is like, you know, that's just a no no. You don't you don't do that. That's sacrilege. Yeah,
1: right. And and I yeah, I have nothing against the Mormon faith. I'm I'm not trying to say anything about them, but it does seem that they're they are a little bit more susceptible to characters like this. Right. Um, so let's hop back into the story. So around this time, just a little fact that I found, Alex Cox marries someone named Zulima Pastinus. And for some reason takes her last name. I'd say that's a little suspect. On December 10, the Rexburg Police Department announced their, like, they formally announced their search for JJ and Tylee, as well as Lori and Chad Daybell. The FBI has also stepped in to find them. They ordered that Tammy Daybell, Chad's late wife's body that we talked about in in the beginning of this episode, um, they ordered that her body be exhumed and have an autopsy performed. Thank God. The day after Tammy's body was dug up, there was a 911 call from Alex's wife, 25-year-old son, Joseph Lopez. Lopez says that Alex is unresponsive in the bathroom and you can hear him nudging him and kind of like saying his name over and over. I listened to the 911 call and this guy's just, I mean, he's 25. He's just kind of like, yeah, my uh, my mom's boyfriend's in the bathroom and and I think he's dead kind of thing. A quick note that I kind of, took down here was he specifically says my my mom's boyfriend so he's not actually aware that the two actually got married so Alex dies and he does obviously get an autopsy but that has not been revealed yet that is that was only a few months ago then on December 20th the FBI announces their search for JJ and Tylee and urge Chad and Lori to cooperate with them and mom this was the point when I actually had messaged you and I had been like mom look at this woman like she has, do you remember I sent you? There's like a there's online there's like a I don't know what you call a bubble chart of everyone that Lori Velo has been in contact with, like her husbands and her children and her husband's wife and all these people that have died. I was gonna say uh, I think so you need point. to share that bubble chart because yeah I'll put that be on nice our to have a visual
0: of this lady.
1: <laughs> I know and I I apologize for it being so like, so many names and dates thrown out. But, like, that's how crazy this story is. And that's how crazy it was at this point. At this point, the children have been missing for three to four months. We then find out that Chad and Lori have evaded the police by running off to Hawaii uh, because they're actually spotted island hopping. If you go online and you type in Lori and Chad Hawaii sightings, there are people, because the story got so huge, there's, there are people that saw them, took pictures, and uploaded it. And that's actually how the police found out that they were in Hawaii so they're spotted island hopping and at this time JG and jj and tylee's families are urging them to cooperate and locate the children um colby ryan you know kind of the only thing he ever really came out and said was like mom please cooperate with the police like please fine come up with the children finally on january 25th of this year law enforcement in Kauai, hawaii served Lori with a child protection order which requires her to produce the children to Idaho's Department of Health and Welfare by January 30th, so that gives her five days. She, of course, does not. The couple continues to vacation in Maui and on other islands. And now at this point, the media is going insane. They're calling them a doomsday cult. They're upset with her. Um, They wanna know where her children are because she's just not cooperating. She's just living her best life in Hawaii with her fifth husband. So yeah, and then finally, on February 20th of this year, Lori is arrested and taken into custody in Kauai. She's charged with two felony counts of desertion and non-support of dependent children, as well as resisting and obstructing police officers, criminal solicitation to commit a crime, and contempt of court. She's held in a $5 million bond pending... Her extradition. Extradition. When you say it, I have it in <laughs> my head. She has whatever. She has to be extradited. We get it. <laughs> a little over a week later, Chad flies back to Rexburg, Idaho, just days before Lori is extradited back to Idaho. In Lori's first hearing, she walks in all smug and confident, and uh, this is just the hearing for her bond, so it's actually – her attorney asks for it to be reduced. It is actually reduced from $5 million to $1 million. However, she's unable to find a bond company that is willing to work with her. So for now, she still remains in jail where I uh, believe she belongs. So that's all I have here. There is, We're going to talk a little bit more, Mom, now about kind of what's going on now. Um, but as for now, Tylee and JJ are still missing. And that is what I feel is most important here. Um, Tylee is now 17, JJ is seven and no one's seen them. Their families are really worried. I hate to say it, but at this point I feel like we're looking for bodies and anyone with any information about their whereabouts are urged to contact authorities. So I do want to make that a really, really big point right now. At the end of the day, I, I just hope we find them. And I really hope that they're okay. Actually, uh, when Chad flew back to Idaho, the media, were all, they were all over him. They kept asking him, where, where are the children? Where are the children is trending on Twitter? It's like a big, that's like what everyone wants to know, right? Where are the children? And all he would say is the children are okay.
0: You know what? Honestly, coming from him, that could very well mean that they're no longer in exactly. this world.
1: Yes. So now, another thing to know, interest my sources. I source... That's how Basil feels about the whole situation.
0: So... Let me just recap this. She's in jail still, and she's got a – she can post bail, but she doesn't have anybody that will help her out with that. Thank you. But he's still out. Chad's free.
1: Yes, yes, and that is something that all the articles always mention. They're like, so Vallo is currently still in behind bars in the Madison County Jail in Idaho. Um, she was extradited. She had her – I think – I could be wrong here, but I think she had her first hearing in Hawaii – bond was reduced, and then she was extradited or vice versa. Mom, I don't really know how that works. Would she have been extradited and then had her, healing, her hearing?
0: It could have. Either way, really. I,
1: yeah. I don't really think it's that important. Honestly, at this point, I kind of had to stick to what was more important about the story and finding these kids. But yeah, so she's still behind bars in Idaho. He's a free man walking around. No, I haven't even found anything about like them trying to connect him to what I believe we're all thinking is his involvement in Tammy's death his his ex-wife as for now he is he's free i think probably what police are trying to do and honestly you know like she she can't even be charged with murder of her children until they're found so i think that's why they're really trying to to pin her with uh, the murder of her ex-husband charles and well, she could what be i've charged read, with
0: murder but that's just a lot harder that's an they uphill battle when you don't have bodies, right?
1: Exactly. And so what I've found just the most recent news is that they are actually pretty close in tying her to the murder of Charles, obviously via Alex, her brother, who's also dead. So like I said, there's so, so much information because there actually really is no place where you can find all this information except for, if you'll remember, Joe Ryan was Lori's third husband And his sister was that woman named Annie Cushing and how she was like, what's going on? And she was just kind of on the sidelines of it. She's actually um, got a website called Annie Lytics. So Annie, her name, and then lytics.com. It's um, got a timeline. So it's very choppy. It's not like, you know, our podcast where we're kind of telling it as a story. Um, It's very factual. She's got all the facts, literally all the facts, even kind of just like, spottings of them and stuff like that so her her website is one that has all the effects but other than that a lot of articles you know are just about like one part of it um because even another another part of the story is that Lori's niece melanie alex's daughter i felt like this wasn't as important so i didn't add it maybe we'll touch on it when more comes out because i do believe more is going to come out about them But, like, her niece married someone, then they got divorced, and then he was shot at by a jeep that belonged to Charles, her husband. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I've been processing and trying to, like, put into a document. So there is a lot more. Uh, I really encourage everyone to to go and be in the know because I do believe that this is going to be resolved soon, and I really do hope it's going to be resolved soon. Unfortunately, all the stuff with corona kind of came at the same time these children and their whereabouts have kind of been pushed to the side, which I get. They're still important.
0: So I want to ask you one more thing. Mm -hmm. You said that they did resume the body of Tammy, Mm -hmm. Chad's first wife. Is there any other? Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. We're still waiting waiting on
0: Tammy's results. We're still waiting on Alex's results. We're still waiting to find out ultimately where these kids are. Okay. There
1: seems to, so I want to kind of talk a little bit about theories. There's a lot of theories out there. So people have started reading Chad's books because as I mentioned, Chad says that his books are factual. There's a theory that they think the kids are buried in the cemetery because Chad was, if you'll remember, he worked for the Springville Cemetery. And so there's people who think that there's a lot of things that there's a lot of a little in his books, I guess he mentions the cemetery a lot. So people think that that's something, mostly something to mention. I had, touched about how you know her niece is involved so it's like her niece and her husband Alex and his daughter and like all these people were all living in Arizona in the same apartment complex her niece's ex-husband who said I know for a fact that she knows where the kids are his ex-wife so there's something to do with like their family being in this little cult and somebody knows something and it's gonna come out so yeah, right now that's kind of where we're at. It's still a jumble of information and I'm sorry if it came off that way, but I just thought it was really important for there to be somewhere where someone could find all these facts.
0: Well, I think it's great. It's a confusing story, but not because it was told confusingly just because it is. It's like, I, I feel like this is like a mob. This whole family is just like in something and it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy is what it is. And like you said, it's still ongoing. So I'm right. sure we're going to have a whole nother podcast devoted to, yes. to this family. And I
1: actually, I kind of left this open-ended because this is going to be solved. Um, so I didn't want to spill too many of my own opinions because obviously I don't know for sure. But one thing I'm seriously questioning is when Tammy passed away, which was only just last October. So that was really recent. It was around the same time, you know, that... Lori's third husband passed away and it was also around the same time I believe that you know Lori was going to be moving the kids to Idaho and Alex came with her so my theory in my own opinion it's not proven is that Alex killed Tammy because if you'll remember there was that masked man that shot at her I believe that was Alex I don't know why they did that if like chad wanted to like be like well somebody was after her anyway i don't know who it was kind of thing
0: right then he Um, can something but yet then it said natural mm -hmm. causes so that's a whole nother thing too if you go back to that like still how the medical examiner you know maybe wasn't involved but what a coincidence that she just was like natural causes we're done Mm
1: -hmm. further on coincidences what a coincidence that the fbi digs up tammy's body and the day later alex is dead yeah There's a lot of coincidences in this story. I feel like this story could be made into a movie, but we'd all be confused. I know. know, And I I really hope that you guys aren't confused, but all you need to know are the facts that I told you, you know, how her husbands have all died, how now her brothers died after Chad's ex-wife's body is exhumed. And I believe that Charles Velo's family deserves answers. I believe that Tammy Daybell's family deserves answers. And... I believe that JJ and Tylee's families deserve answers. So hopefully we get those answers soon.
0: Yeah. If we're confused, we kind of got the basics anyway, that this is a messed up story with two messed up people. And we got two kids that, you know, we'd pray that are out there alive and that's what we need answers for. Mm-hmm. Thanks I, Jenna. Um, Thanks for all that work that you did on that. And yeah, like I said, I'm, Sure. We'll be hearing more from this. So look forward yeah, to your and my updates. sources
1: quickly are just, um, literally every single news company ever. Tabby Daybell's obituary, multiple articles from East Ohio- Idaho news, inside edition, Fox news, NBC, and like I said, analytics.com. So yeah, so that's that. And we will come back and update you guys. I don't have a silly criminal story to share today. If you guys do, please let me know so that I can share your stories. Yeah. Mom, anything else?
0: I think that was good. I think it's a good way to end it. We will see you guys all or I guess we don't ever see people. So why do I say that?
1: (laughs) Okay, well, we'll connect with everybody again in a couple of weeks. I'll post some articles about this and stuff. But yeah,
0: I think it'd be good, Jenna, if you posted the picture of the kids too. It's good to just keep them always in the forefront.
1: Okay, everyone stay safe and tune in next week.